Right, if you think the Joker is in any way a laudable character, you shouldn't be allowed to have kids. Wait, 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 hang on, hang on. That's a thought people have? Oh, of course, of course it's a thought people have. <laughs> Haven't you heard about Joker culture? <laughs> uh, I am just like that relatable hero, the Joker. Okay, so but that's not like an insane clown posse juggalo thing. This is a totally separate, like, cultural... This, this is the, this is basically the people who are like, Rick from Rick and Morty is the hero and a good person, and I should emulate to be like him. Oh, so idiots. It, it, yeah, it's that, but the Joker. P- people who can't read the signals in culture yeah. and, and can't, you know, dissect narrative and apply analytical thinking. I'm not saying the Joker, as a villainous character, is a bad character from a storytelling standpoint. Yeah, right. He's, he's a... He's an interesting one. But the Joker is a pathetic abuser. Yeah. That's part of the character. And if in any way you admire the Joker or even think he's deep and complex as a character, you're a fucking idiot. And if you think you're like the Joker in any way, you shouldn't be allowed to have kids. I heard it put a great way once where someone said to me, it's totally okay if, say the Joker happens to be your favourite character in something, or, like, it's okay if you happen to like the Joker as a villain, or if you happen to like Rick and Morty, but, like, if you if you introduce yourself to me and say my favourite things are the Joker and Rick and Morty, I'm going to be a little scared. I'm just going to be hesitant to let you near my pets. <laughs> it's fine, like, many of my favourite characters in media are villains. Sure. I don't want to be like any of them. No. They're not yeah. role models. They're no. they're they're examples. They are uh, uh, moral examples of how that's bad when done well. Yeah, the Joker is in no way heroic. He's a sick little prick, and in some ways that makes him compelling compelling from a narrative standpoint. But but don't model your life and behavior on him. The most egregious, perhaps, and comrade, you might get a kick out of this, is the people who watch BoJack Horseman and idolise BoJack and somehow don't see the no, he's depressed and fucked up and you shouldn't be trying to live life the way he's doing. Isn't there an entire episode of that show based around people using BoJack as an excuse to be a prick? Yes. Yep. And still somehow there are people who go no, no, he's the hero. It's it's named after him. Uh, I mean, I I don't even know where to go (laughs) with that if If the Joker was a real human being, he'd be the exact type of person who'd have has no filter written in his Twitter bio. That sort of prick. (laughs) If if the Joker was a real person, he would end every Twitter exchange with, I'm just saying. Yeah, not racist, but that's the Joker. He's not racist, (laughs) but you're a fucking idiot. You, if you think the Joker is in any way a laudable, heroic figure, you're a fucking idiot. Here's the thing. That new Joker film that has happened, I've I've seen some people go... I've seen some legitimate Twitter people going, yeah, but this interpretation of the Joker, he doesn't like the banks and stuff, and he's, he's, he's lefty. And I'm like, no, if you, if you like the idea of a character who doesn't like, you know, capitalism, there are better better people to hold up than that man i i saw that film yesterday yeah how did you how did you enjoy it (laughs) or not one thing i learned is that you do not go up to the box office and ask the lady at the counter i'd like to see the joker man (laughs) (laughs) because she won't know what you mean and then you have to sheepishly say the joker i want to see the joker 
And then you feel bad because you go into the movie theatre and it's just you and one other fat white guy there to see it. Jim, you know what's going to happen now, though? You've you've started your transformation because you tried to make a joke and someone didn't find it funny. And now you're going to have to go murder a bunch of people. You're the, you're the joker man now. I must admit, as I red-facedly took my ticket for the joker after she did not know what I meant when I said the joker man, I walked into the movie theatre lobby and just thought to myself, you know what? We live in a fucking society now. We do that live in a pr- society. You can't. You can't ask to see the Jokerman without someone understanding what you meant or seeing the irony in it. That was my one bad day. Yeah. Now I now I've got green hair and and I take photos of the Batgirl. Yeah. You try and tell a joke and no one can take a joke anymore. And now you're the Jokerman. Yep. Now I've got acid coming out of a flower for a minute. Look at my flower. Aha, there's acid in it. Psych. I am the Jokerman. <laughs> We live in the societies now. Well, we live in the societies, yes. We decided this last last week. We live in the societies, plural. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like Skeletor. I'm not about to paint myself blue <laughs> and try and do magic to get into a castle that looks a bit like a skull. I mean... It's just, don't do it. Are, are you sure? Because that is the sort of thing I could see you doing. <laughs> There's not enough... <laughs> I can't afford that much blue paint. <laughs> I saw the Jokerman. I did see, I saw Sergeant Jokerman GCPD yesterday. It was all right. It was all right. Not the greatest film ever made, the Oscar blah, 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 best film because the man is sad and then kills people. It's a very bleak film about a mentally ill man. Like, that's what it is. It's not a call to arms for Redditors. It doesn't seem like it needed to be a Joker film. No, I would have been more interested in it if it were just about a mentally ill man who has designs on being a comedian and then it all goes wrong. And it doesn't even really set up the Joker as we know him. It sets up some... It's not like this is an a, an origin story to the Joker we know. No, no, it's a very different... I mean, the the, the Joker... As the Arthur Fleck, as portrayed in this film, is so far removed from what people think of as the Joker. Mm. Um, I mean, it's the only Joker interpretation that does have any depth as a character, but that's because he's very unlike the Joker. That's because it's not a Joker film that they slapped the Joker on. No, it's the King of Comedy that they slapped the Joker on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It was a fine enough film. It's just, it's very bleak. Um... Despite having a clown in it, I've seen funnier films. It's not as funny as Spaceballs. <laughs> but it was it was an interesting film. And I don't know if necessarily I'd watch it again, but it was fine enough. I think I think both as a a symbol for incels, whether you truly believe that or if you if you if you celebrate it as a beacon for incels or you criticize it as a beacon for incels, I think either way it's a bit overblown. It's just a bleak film about uh, an ill man who eventually snaps. And there's some interesting commentary in there about ignoring um, social problems and and people with illnesses and and all of that. Some of it gets lost in the character's actions. um, But I don't think it's necessarily glorifying anything from either perspective. Um, I mean, the Joker himself doesn't necessarily believe anything in the film. Which is not, you know, I mean, that's pretty Joker. That's a fairly Joker nihilist point of view that we've seen post-Morrison. There's some interesting things to be said about things that happen in the film 
about what that character inspires, despite not having those inspirations himself, um, which we've seen bear out in our culture. Um, but yeah, it's it was an okay film. I liked, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix was great in it, um, which is to be expected. That I mean, that seems to be the consensus, is that Joaquin Phoenix's performance in the role is unimpeachable. And then the rest of it is... Eh. So surprisingly, the guy who is generally good at playing nuanced characters plays another good nuanced character. Like, to the point where I would be interested in them casting him again as a proper Joker, but it wouldn't really fit yeah. with mm. this Joker because this one's just... I mean, unless they just have him snap and change his personality completely. But... If you cast him as the Joker, that would mean no more damaged Jared Leto <laughs> Joker. And he, he is the most underused Joker. We need his... We no, need more of him. Can't even joke about it. No, it's not, oh. it's, not even, it's not even funny to pretend that you like Jared Leto. Apparently Jared Leto's real fucking salty about everyone enjoying this Joker film. Is he? Good. Then yeah. That- that's the best thing I've heard about the new Joker film. If it's made Jared Leto upset, I'm fine with that. Oh yeah, Jared Leto is... I don't, I'm not his biggest fan. If Jared Leto was a real person, he'd have no filter on his Twitter bio. <laughs> He's one of them ones that uses the concept of method acting as an excuse to be a bollock to people. Yeah, he was the one that was like, ooh, ooh, I sent you a used condom full of my jizz, other actor I share the stage with, because I'm the Joker. There's a fine line between method acting and... Actually, there's not. There's a very thick line between <laughs> method acting and harassing people. And Jared Leto just seems to skip merrily over that thick line. Yeah. Let's talk about Jared Leto culture and people looking up to him. You shouldn't have kids. Like, as a narrative villain, Jared Leto is very interesting. But he's not someone to be celebrated. I think it's something to be said about method acting conceptually that you only ever hear it talked about in the context of asshole characters. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, you never, ever hear anybody method acting someone who's, like, super cool. Well, no, no. There's one other time when you hear about method acting, and it's when you get someone who is not part of a minority group playing a minority group character. Right. You get it all the time with cis men playing trans women, where it's like, I went out for two hours wearing a dress and I got some funny looks. I understand the trans experience now. Method acting. Speaking of Jared Leto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, let's commit some slander. What, what slander are we starting off with today? <laughs> Todd Howard once tried to replace his eyes with eggs. I've heard that. People have said that. Yeah, that, that is a thing that has been said that I have heard at this time in my life. Boiled eggs. He wanted to he wanted to change his name to Old Egg Eyes. Yeah, and they're, they're oiled, oiled goose egg. Canada goose eggs. Which, I mean, that's just despicable. I mean, he's, he's low. <laughs> Must be fucking nice. Must be fucking nice, old egg eyes, Howard. Must be fucking nice. You know he was a producer on um, Detroit Become Human. Was he? No, that was more slander. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me. I, I, I mean, that's not slander. It's a true thing, probably. Slander. Everyone loves a good bit of slander. Start your day with a bowl of cornflakes and some slander. Um, Todd Howard... I don't know why I said that. I just said his name again. 
Just, just Todd Howard. That's slander right there. Sometimes I do that. Yeah, I'll just go. I'll just go through my day sometimes, and I'll just be like, "Oh, Todd Howard, what you doing? What you doing?" <laughs> We've got a weird energy today. We do. Yeah, I'm feeling it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't sleep well. My 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 bed's gone to shit. What happened to your bed? I don't know. I wake up every morning with a twisted back, and it gets better. Like once I'm out for a, out of it for a minute, but I wake up every morning in, in in agony. It's a bad mattress. I need to replace it. Might be time for a new mattress. Yeah, like this isn't even all that older mattress, but it's shit. Yeah, mattresses are one of those things that I know I probably need to buy a fancy one at some point in my life or like a decent one, but also like. When I moved out by myself and I needed a mattress, I was like, oh, I can get a bed frame and a mattress and a duvet and pillows for about 90, 90 bucks. That'll, that'll, that'll do. I did exactly the same thing. Yeah. Same thing when I moved out on my own. And, and it was, I didn't even have a bed frame for, you know, like five years because, dude, right? The bed frame was practically cardboard. It broke because someone sat down on it slightly too hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I will say this. Uh, there is something to be said to a you get what you pay for with mattresses. And the other weird, but the other weird thing that I found, uh, because the mattress industry, and I don't know what it's like in the UK, but here in the United States, the mattress industry is like really controlled by just a few companies. There's only like two or three companies that make mattresses. Like like basically yeah. every industry in America. Right. As, as I understand it, the UK is the same. Like there is some kind of weird laws about who can make mattresses. Well, and there's dozens of brands, but yeah. really only a, a couple of manufacturers. Mm. And uh, believe it or not, I my wife loves Ikea for freaking everything like it's just her drug is ikea that's because of the ikea effects that's a psychological trick in video game design mm -hmm. yeah you're guiding them through the route you want them to take yeah no i could totally see that they really have a retail experience that's brilliantly conceived but um their mattresses are really good like they're as they're better priced than any of the other brand ones and they're just as good so go to Ikea for a mattress and save money. That's that's my suggestion. All right. So we've got Joker criticism, <laughs> Todd Howard slander, and mattress critique, right? Mattress recommendations. You're learning all sorts on today's podcast. We've got... What a great podcast this has been so far, listener. Don't you agree? I agree. This is what everyone came to uh, here on their podcast yeah. about video games where they find out if the games they like are perfect or great i mean that's that's what we're here for at the end of the day do you got a favorite game do you want to know if it's perfect or great we'll tell you they're probably perfect i played like a shit ton of actual video games this week i'm surrounded by mermen yes you are you're surrounded by mermen i'm surrounded by mermen i've got on either side of me right now four masters of the universe mermen figures I keep showing... I'm doing live streaming now on Twitch. Twitch yeah. TV slash Jimquisition, if you're interested, listeners. And I've, I've been getting more and more Merman figures to flash up on the camera. Because, as I've said many times before, Merman has the best face. He just constantly looks surprised, horrified, and fucked off all at the same time. Um, so I've just got loads of them, and they're all looking at me with their fucked off fish face. Tell us about your video games, Laura. <laughs> I played some video games. Um, I went to I went to a convention called EDX, which is uh, a video game convention in the UK, and I played like 
a shit ton of video games. Can I tell you about a bunch of ones that I played that aren't yet out? And who knows, they could be shit, but I, I experienced a slice of them. You know what, me old friend? You can talk about those video games. Yeah. Where, where do I start with the ones I played like 10 minutes of? Um, Oh, that Marvel Avengers game. I got to play like... 25 30 minutes of that like it's like a decently sized chunk yeah um so i'm still a bit concerned about that whole rolling content out over time thing that they're apparently doing but the game itself is real fun it feels a lot like um it kept reminding me of the ps4 spider-man game in that at its core what you've got is light attack heavy attack and then some kind of attack that is specific to your superhero. So in the, that Spider-Man PS4 game, it was, I can do a web shooting, um, or your, your variants on shooting your webs. Here, you've got each of your superheroes basically has an attack button that does something unique to them that makes them feel like them. They all control relatively the, the, the same at a base level. Like, Thor is light attack with the big hammer, heavy attack with the big hammer, do a big charged attack with the big hammer and lightning goes everywhere. Or I think he's basically got the thing that's the, uh, you know, the axe attack in God of War where you throw your hammer out, uh, your, your axe out, and then it comes back really satisfying. You want to be able to do that if you're Thor. You want to be able to throw it and have it go bonk. Yeah, you, you can do that with Thor. So that, that's pretty satisfying. You can sort of pin enemies against walls with the hammer and hit other enemies when it flies back to you. Um, Iron Man, his thing is... He can. You've got two buttons dedicated to being able to fly up and down, and then your uh, heavy attack is a ranged attack. You sort of fire missiles off your gun. That's quite fun. It's fun to fly around as him. There's some sections that were like those uh, Star Foxy shooty sections where you're Iron Man. That was quite fun. The Hulk. The Hulk is the best. Uh, you can pick up people and just swing them around and hit everyone using other enemies. The environment seems to just move out the way if you are the Hulk charging through environments. Like... If there is a car in your way, it's just going to go flying. They get a good sense of that. Like, if you're playing as the Hulk, everything had better not stop you moving. Yeah. Which, yeah. like, it's those little details that are really... They feel like they've made all of these heroes with a couple of unique things they can do feel like they play pretty drastically differently. Um, Like, Captain America, for example, he's all of his stuff's basically a lot faster... Um, than the other melee characters. He can throw his shield around like a boomerang and it sort of bounces around the room quite nice. Um, it had a pacing that, again... It, you know in that PS4 Spider-Man, you had those boss fights where you'd be doing the fighting and then suddenly you're in an in-engine cutscene and there's a, a quick time event to not have an instant fail and then that throws you out into another actual gameplay scene and it all sort of just like flows through those big moments. Yeah. This this half hour section from near the beginning of the game felt like that. It was I'm doing some hitting as as Thor. Now uh, the camera's panned over and we're doing something else. And oh, I'm playing as Iron Man now, and he's over here doing this and sort of pulling you through what was a very clearly linear experience. Um, it's not like the uh, that that Marvel Ultimate Alliance recently where you can switch between characters at will. You are clearly doing, I'm doing the Thor bit, and then the story will take me to the Iron Man bit over there, yeah. and then it will take me to this character's bit over here. That's interesting, because you play these, you know, if you if you play games with a roster of characters, um, especially these superhero ones, you do expect to be 
asked to choose your characters. You don't necessarily see a more linear gameplay section where the game itself is fluidly moving you from one character to another, and I really like that idea. Yeah, it it seemed to work really well in practice because it meant that... Again, uh, the, the one I kept trying to mentally compare it to was Ultimate Alliance, and the environments and set pieces here felt a lot more tailored to specific heroes rather than being something that really any of these heroes can beat. Um, it, it kind of stopped that problem that Ultimate Alliance had where none of the heroes really felt strong enough because you were always fighting through just like generic grunts that somehow were strong enough to take all your hits. Yeah. Here it's like, oh, you're playing as the Hulk. We better put a tank in front of you and armored dudes that like that you're not going to be able to punch them into the ground necessarily but you can throw them off something just to address that dissonance of being the hulk but having some regular schmo just juggle you yeah yeah it was very much tailoring the threats to what your current available tool set was which is really nice um I didn't get to play as Ms. Marvel, who is who I had hoped to play as. Was it just that demo they've been showing on the bridge? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. that one that that scene they've been showing on the bridge. But um, yeah. I, I think like the thing that got me most excited was they made characters who usually don't get to feel to be cool in these things feel cool. Um, Black Widow, for example. Black Widow is basically like a wrestling grappler type who can go invisible and get in close and then do sort of like throws that like chuck people into the ground mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of stuff like that where they they took characters that like say the marvel movies have sort of overlooked a bit and gone no no we can we can make this character feel cool very quickly i stopped caring about the whole um these look like weird off-brand not the people from the films yeah yeah that's fine i'm fine with that like just give me a good ultimate alliance type game that's all i want yeah it Here's the thing. It this feels like that. Okay, good. The characters feel distinct from each other. You don't get to pick when you play as who, not at least not in this demo, but if you want just a good big flashy superhero game where you just get to play as all the superheroes and you don't have a bunch of things to learn how to make they all control like, kind of smash bros like the same basic controls work for everyone but everyone feels different uh, like th- this has gotten me interested again i still want to know like how often i'm gonna have to fucking come back to this game over the next two years yeah but i enjoyed what i played yeah that intrigues me that's good i mean it, it it's looked good i've just i've had misgivings about the business things around it but the the actual core of the game itself looks very promising well, that, that- that's it. Like I can't say anything about the, you know, what the actual game package is going to be like, but it's fun to be those superheroes. Of the big Square Enixy things, I'm surprisingly, surprising to myself, more interested in it than the Final Fantasy VII remake. I feel like I have more to say about this than the Final Fantasy VII remake. I got to play, I got to play that boss fight that we saw at E3 with the in the Mako reactor with the big robot. It's not like I've necessarily got anything bad to say about that Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, the, the biggest complaint I had was the camera is too low down and too close behind the character, so it kind of obscures your view of what's in front of you a bit. But that's the biggest complaint I had about it. Um, if, you lo- if you're a person like me that likes your 3D moving around in space JRPGs, your sort of Xenoblades, your Final Fantasy XVs, th- this is one of those that has a pause time to do 
to pick from your uh, turn-based menu system. Yeah, I heard they've they've added an ATB system in it as well as the the more flashier one they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So I've not been able to see the sort of turn-based only sort of mode that apparently exists, but the way the way they want you to play it, where you run around, you press your attack button to build up some meters so you can pause the game and do your um your turn-based menu. That feels fun. Yeah. It, it, I I can see why this is being split into multiple games because my god, if everything is this big and detailed, that's a lot of fucking game to make. Yeah, like an unfeasible amount of game. But like, I don't have anything particularly exciting to say about it other than, yeah, I played really nice. I'm excited to play Final Fantasy VII again. It's probably going to be good. Mm. Uh, well, what about both of you? You played anything you want to talk about? I I played that Control. Oh yeah. That that Remedy game Control. How that doing? It is a Remedy game. Yeah, it very much is. Wow, is it? <laughs> I mean, you know, like there's nothing. I did. I'm not surprised by anything that I've encountering in this Remedy game called Control. <laughs> and I'm I'm bought in on the Alan Wake stuff. Like I'm there for it. And I get a little bit of excitement every time I see, you know, passing mention of Night Springs or, you know, a- a Cauldron Lake or any of that stuff. I- I'm just like, ooh, okay, that's exciting. Um, and it it's fun to play. The combat I find to be generally satisfying. Uh, I It's a little frustrating sometimes because the spatial awareness thing I struggle with sometimes, and so I will not know enemies are behind me, and it doesn't really signal where damage is coming from as effectively as I'd like. Um, sometimes I just die, and I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's a bummer. Um, and, you know, as I started playing it, I'm like, all right, going through the tutorial, doing a running around, and then you do the first, like, jump, and I was like, oh, this is a Remedy game. They're platforms. This does not bode well. <laughs> and uh, I'll give them credit that levitation ability that they bring in really is good. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun to play with. And it's fun in combat. It's satisfying in in traversal. So I like it. It addressed a lot of that problem. But it, it whoever thought it was a good idea to make that boss cut holes in the floor of a very limited area (laughs) when the camera is positioned so tightly over the character's shoulder all the time. (laughs) They should be dragged into the street and pelted with rotten vegetables because that was a terrible idea that I think they've done before (laughs) and learned nothing from. Uh, But other than that, great game. I, I love the depth of the world. Uh, that they're building with it, I will, I will, I will be buying the DLC because I want to know my Alan Wake stuff that they're teasing me with at the end. That is the last one, isn't it? The yeah, yeah. I think they got like three expansions planned or something, and then that last one is the 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 more overt Alan Wake tie-in. As a person that loved Alan Wake, I am. Very much here for that. <laughs> Absolutely adored yeah. Alan Wake. I think it's probably my favorite, uh, least my favorite game narratively from that generation. Like it's just fascinating to me how well layered it is. I didn't like the narrative so much in Control. Um, it wasn't helped by the fact that the protagonist had no personality. Yeah, she had motivations but no persona. 
Yeah. Well, that's that's yeah, that's interesting too because that's so unlike a uh, a remedy lead character, right? Because you look at Alan, you look at Alan Wake, you look at Max Payne. They were very clearly defined in their aesthetic, in their personality, yeah. and she does lack a lot of that. And she knew. I felt like in the beginning she knew things I didn't. Like she just turns up to this building, and I'm like, she's invested in something, right? Yeah. Before I am, and I hate it when games do that. Don't make me feel like I've joined in halfway through a conversation. Yeah, because th- there's that whole. I don't think it's necessarily a spoiler to talk about. It's such an early thing where they say like, oh yeah, as a kid she experienced one of these weird events, and she remembers it, and she's like, hey, the fuck was up with that? I could respect the decision not to want to front load a whole lot of exposition yeah but some would have been nice but like yeah you just need some clue of like oh i'm here because weird shit comes from here and i saw weird shit and i'm curious what's up yeah yeah Uh, so i but i I, all the little things like i stop every time i find a document thing and read it which i often don't do but i'm kind of fascinated to see what they're trying to do with all of this um yeah, I'm into it. I like things like Warehouse 13, mm. and uh, I get a very, uh, you know, well, we, we did a podcast for, like, years about a place that's kind of like the Bureau of Control, just more overtly evil. So I, yeah, um, it's in my wheelhouse. I'm there for it. It's got flaws for sure, um, because it is a remedy game. Pop in. How is like they still never managed to optimize for texture pop in on their games? Yeah, but the pop in's okay in this one because it's uh, it's an artifact of the the weird building rebuilding itself around you. That's what it is. It's not a a problem. (laughs) I can't help but think that if I had a PS4 Pro, I would you know not have so many of these issues. But it just it bugs me drives me nuts because i want to read all your little signs but i have to go stand next to it and then i have to aim at it to zoom in close enough to read the print in the first place and then it's all blocky (laughs) until it you know pops in four times to the point where i can read it and it it just uh, and you know what while i'm at it while i'm just bitching about shit that are in these games no more trams okay you don't like a good tram no i love trams they're like train buses I'm fucking done with trams, all right? <laughs> no, like, it, it's the best of, of, like, two of the best forms of public transport. Combined, smushed into one. If you're gonna have some little elevated tram thing in your game, and you're gonna make me sit and wait for this long drag out to fucking nothing, I might add, and build up all this suspense... You sure as fuck better not make me sit through that shit the whole way back. Just <laughs> load the other side of the corridor. You're already making me disappear into fog early into the transition. Just cut it. You're killing me, Smalls. Fair point, well made. All right, I'm done. I'm just, I'm done. Yeah, but otherwise, game's great. Really enjoying it, having a lot of fun. What about you, Jim? I played some of that new Fortnite, the Fortnite chapter two. I'm- well, I played a little bit of that. I did it mainly to, because um, I'm doing a Jimquisition on the, the the whole thing with bots. Um, bots that look like human players. Um, so I won't give away too many of my thoughts here, because I'll be talking about that on Monday. Mm. I will say that the bots have fundamentally changed how I play the game. Yeah. 
um, because I no longer play it the way one normally, or at least the way I normally play Battle Royale games, because I'm not scared anymore of anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, at least until it, it pairs down to like the final few players who you can reasonably assume are, the, are both skilled and human. Um, when I drop in, like the, the bots are so stupid that I no longer fear sniper bullets from miles away or, or devastating shotgun blasts from around a corner. I find that interesting because it's not changed the way I play at all because my playstyle has always been drop into really contested place to get some good weapons fast, run away and find a hiding spot that is hopefully where the uh, the thing's going to shrink to, be patient and then only fight the last three or four people anyway. Right. You see, because I, I was very much one of those paranoid players. I wouldn't land where others were landing. Almost every time I ever did that, I'd be dead. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd guess where no one would be landing. I was pretty good at that. Um, I wouldn't get the best gear, but I'd get a decent bit of gear. Uh, and then I'd hide and then just slowly acquire better gear from other players as I took them down. Whereas now I'm playing it and I'm just, I'm diving in with everyone else. Just there'll be enemies with guns and I'll just be running around them, hitting them with the, you know, the axe <laughs> thing. And they won't be responding cause they're bots. I've seen them do incredibly silly things. Um, and it has changed how I play it. Um, there's a lot of cool new stuff in there, you know, fishing rods and that. I'm, I haven't played it in a while, so I don't know ex- what all is brand new just for this new chapter two. Mm. Um, but the new map is cool. Um, the fishing rods are new. The fishing rods, that, that was fun for a minute. Um, it is inherently more rewarding from a feedback nature. You're constantly unlocking things. And that, you know, encourages that all-important engagement. Um, I I don't know if it's good enough to keep me playing, um, but it it got me back into trying it out, and I'm probably going to play a bit more today. Yeah. Um, I didn't have much time with it, but, you know, it's still Fortnite at, at, at heart. It's still good at what it does. I don't play it often, but like, if I jump into Fortnite, I have a good time doing a round of Fortnite. Yeah, it's a it's a thing that has you know it's it's nice to have a game that has no big story that I feel compelled to complete where I can just go, I'm gonna play this for twenty minutes and then I can never think about it again and that's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's why I've got it on the Switch. Like it it's just perfect oh, for yeah. playing on the Switch. I would never boot up a PC or a console to play it, but Switch, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I've got a, a video that's going to take 20 minutes to go or um, I need something to do while I'm editing some audio. Sure. That is exactly perfect I, um, as a way of describing it. I would never switch something on to play it, but the Switch in sleep mode is always nearby, so I can just flick it on and play. But yeah, I would never boot anything up to play Fortnite. Yeah. Not specifically to play Fortnite. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fine. I played Fortnite. I played it twice. Yeah. Did you love it? Did you love it? I respect it. I admire it as a thing that people enjoy. I totally get the appeal. No thank you. That's fair. Just, Very fair. No thank you. I... I I'm never going to break the 90s. I'm not competitive in that way. It's not my type of gameplay. I have a couple of times come first place, and it's only because I play that game like a coward. <laughs> like, my my ideal game of Fortnite, I luck out and get some good weapons early on. I get the thing that hides me and makes me look like a bush. 
I hide my fake bush inside a real bush so that people who obsessively know that game don't go, there's not meant to be a bush there. And then I just wait it out and I snipe the final person while I'm a bush. There are players now acting like bots to lull players into a full sense of security. Oh, that's great metagaming. Yeah. They're going to do silly things and then people are like, oh, it's just a bot and then it's just turn around, kablap, and then they're dead. Yeah. On- Honestly, that is the best way to play Fortnite is to make use of the fact that like, hey, I know this is a game. How can I abuse my knowledge of the game as it exists? That That's great. I, and I'm, it's good to see players. I like watching people play Fortnite. Uh, it's not something I do particularly often, but it is it's enjoyable to watch. It's like me and fighting games. Yeah, I like I just like the feeling of tension of. I'm hiding in this basement and the circle is thankfully sort of shrinking towards me, so I'm probably safe here. But if I see so much as anything even twitch in my eyesight, I'm going to kill it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's something kind of fun about that. I like Battle Royale games specifically because I'm not that... Like, I'm not bad at online games, but I'm pretty average. Um, But Battle Royale works because there's 100 players on that map. I never go in with any reasonable expectation that I'm going to win. Right. Um, And that makes... It takes a bit of the pressure... Like, I I still end up paranoid, but it takes pressure off getting into the game to begin with. And those moments where I am in, like, the final three people, suddenly the level of tension that ramps up is incredible. Yeah. I think that's the appeal, though. It's... Yeah. You don't feel bad when you lose because 99% of people are going to lose and you feel super amazing if you win because, oh my God, I'm the only person that won. Like, you know. Yeah. And I feel like bots have kind of, they've kind of tainted that now. Yeah. Because you get people questioning whether the, the kills they've gotten were really earned or whether, you know, a bot just served themselves up. One thing that might be worth looking into for that, which I, I think you might find interesting, is I believe it was PUBG when it first came to mobile. Um, ex- The first match it puts you in is exclusively with bots, which will deliberately do things to uh, lose. So that when you played your first game of mobile PUBG, every single person would win their chicken dinner and go, oh shit, I fucking won! I never win at PUBG. Engagement begins. Yeah. It would fake you into thinking you had a win before putting humans in. I'm saving a lot of it for Monday, but I've got thoughts about games with bots that masquerade as humans. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think they're a, a great thing. No. Not in games with my, certainly not in games with microtransactions where whether the game entertains you or not is a far secondary objective to whether it engages you. And there's a difference between those. Yes. Uh, I played some other things. What other shit did I play this week? Um, you played a lot. I played a lot of stuff. Um, I played a bit of demo for Luigi's Mansion Three. It's more Luigi's Mansion, really. Um, the the it looks really cool. The presentation's really nice. Luigi is very very committed to actions. Um, I I don't I haven't played the original Luigi's Mansion recently enough to remember if this was a thing in the original or if this is something unique to this game I'm just going to have to get used to over time. But, you know, in certain, like, fighting games or combat-heavy games, you'll have, like, um... Say you do a big heavy hit attack and it misses and you're vulnerable for, you know, a few seconds. It's like, okay, that's my punishment. I, you know, I committed to the wrong thing. Luigi feels like a lot of his actions in this game, if you do it at the wrong time, you're sort of committed and you're left vulnerable. And 
Maybe that's because I was sort of rushing a little bit because I was playing it on a show floor. Uh, but it's particularly the using your flashlight to sort of do a big burst of light to startle the ghosts so you can start sucking them up. It felt like if you did that flash and got it wrong, it felt like a couple of seconds you were vulnerable. And that was kind of weird to the pacing. Right. Again, maybe I just needed to get into the right headspace of not mashing the uh, that button too much. But when I was doing well, that game has a huge amount of charm and, and it seems super delightful. I, I'm sure I'm going to pick it up and, and play through it. I remember very much enjoying the original. Uh, I played some small games. I played a game called Skatebird. You're a little bird on a like little tech deck skateboard. Skatebird is a good name. It's a good game. It, it's a good name. The game. Uh, uh, yeah. Right now it's real buggy. It's this is clearly a very early build of a game, and that didn't stop Fallout seventy six. <laughs> we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, there's nothing about it that really feels different to any other skateboarding game, like. You, you can do your skateboarding tricks, but it's what I was kind of hoping for was I'm a bird. I'm flapping my wings. Maybe I can do much longer skateboarding um, trick combos while I'm in the air because I'm flapping me little wings. That'll keep me in the air longer or something. Or like I was expecting the fact I was a bird to have some kind of gameplay effect. Yeah, they, they basically just had that thought process of skatebird. That's a great name. Yeah. Now let's come up with a game to justify it. And I'm not going to lie, that does add something. There is something about the f- tiny, adorable flapping of wings that makes me go, yeah, I I care slightly, I'm slightly less bothered that it's just a generic skateboarding game right now. But like, if you're looking for just a skateboarding game and you want it to be kind of cute, maybe this will scratch that itch. But like, it doesn't feel mechanically very special right now. Right. Um... What did feel quite special, I, I, uh, this is an indie game that is like 100% on my radar right now. Um, it's called Welcome to Elk, and it is this sort of cartoony art style game set in a sort of island a bit in the middle of nowhere that it's very unclear what this place is. Um, your main character has a friend who is convinced everyone is dead, and everyone just sort of to him goes... Yeah, 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 keep going on about that, you know. Sort of dismisses him, but I feel like he may be onto something. There's something very strange about this place. Um, But it's a bunch of, like, really sweet, sincere interactions with people that um, use little minigame stuff that feels really nice. Uh, It reminded me a lot of Wonder Song, mechanically, in that it took things that are very simple mechanics and found really sweet uses for them. Uh, There was one little interaction where... There's a there's a kid who's an orphan, and he was sort of imagining like, hey, I don't know what my parents look like. If they walked past me on the street, I wouldn't know. So we got out some little cut-out bits of faces from magazines, and we, you know, put some bits of faces on balloons and go, maybe that's what they look like. If we see people who look like that, well, you know, we'll know it's them. But the bit that most reminded me of Wonder Song and really got me kind of hooked was I started having this conversation with some NPCs in a bar who started telling this story about why the husband-father figure in this this family isn't there. And the short version was, he'd borrowed money to have protection while he was in prison for something, and he hadn't paid up. So he gets out of prison, and people he borrowed money from to get protection in prison come after him, and very much like Wonder Song, you end up being the mother, like, doing a music 
based interaction where you're not really failing or anything. You're just sort of pointing an analog stick in directions to do some nice music that's gonna sound good. Having this really somber interaction as your husband has his face shot off for not paying up his money that he's owed. It did a really good job of layering really simple interactions to get you really emotionally invested in something that really sort of hit me with its presentation. And then after that happened, it cut to some video. The guy who made this game just went travelling the world talking to people and meeting people who'd had these really sort of interesting but sad things happen to them. Which apparently a lot of the things that happen in the game are based on real events that happen to real people and after you experience these things in game it'll sort of cut to the real people that happen to talking through it and I don't know how to succinctly summarise what this game is but something about it felt really special and I need to play more of it and get a better sense of like what is this overall game but all of the pieces came together in a way where it was using simple interactions to make me feel really engaged and moved by stuff so... Yeah, Welcome to Elk is a thing that is on my radar now. Cool. Um, what about you, Beth? You played anything else? No. <laughs> no, it was literally just Control. Ah. That's all I've had time for. I didn't play much. I mean, tomorrow's a big... Uh, there's three games on my radar out tomorrow. I was hoping I could get at least one review copy of them early just to save myself some time and have something to do this week, but no one wants to play with me anymore. Aww. Um, fuck them. But I did play some uh, some of a game called Sea Salt, which I'm liking a lot. It's uh, somewhat similar to... Oh, there was that game that Devolver Digital put out where you controlled a big group of people as one. Oh, yeah. It's similar to that where... You basically play as the forces of Dagon, the the Lovecraftian god, and the people in this port town, um, or at least the bishop of this church worshipping you, refuses to offer himself up as sacrifice. So you're like, well, fuck this. Um, And then you just start controlling swarms of eldritch horrors. Uh, You start off with these little bitey insect things called the swarm, and you can upgrade to the worms and the crabs and the cultists. And you just move all of these swarms as one while manoeuvring them around to avoid uh, attacks from enemies. And then you just surround them and hold a button down to tear them apart. Um, It's very charming. It's got a nice moody atmosphere to it. Um, It's good fun. I would have liked maybe one, a little bit more of an option to avoid taking damage. You really do just have to stop attacking and move the swarm as one and hope nothing gets caught in a blast. Mm. And then some of the enemies feel really too weak, like the cultists have a really good ranged attack, but will just die in one hit. And you only get, like, I think four per summon of them. But choosing the right things to summon when you can summon at the right time and then just sending them off to tear things, it's very simple, um, but very fun regardless. So... Yeah, I'm liking that quite a bit. That's Sea Salt, ah. and it's, I think it's on everything. I've been playing it on the Switch. It's one of those games that, that's perfect for the Switch. Every game's perfect for the Switch. Pretty much every game's perfect <laughs> for the Switch. But, um, you know, you can have something on TV, and then you just pick that up if you're bored or whatever. Yeah. If you're watching Monday Night Raw like I do, and I'm like, this is bollocks. <laughs> for some reason, I'm still watching it, but I don't want to watch it, but I don't want to not watch it. So I'll just pick up the Switch. I'll play something like Sea Salt. Nay, bother. Mm. So yeah, it's a good little game. 
I'd, I'd do a video on it, but no one would watch it. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about it during my Call of Duty Modern Warfare video. I'll get a captive audience to talk about indie games by hook or by fucking crook. Uh, okay, very quickly, my last couple of games to throw out, because I played too many fucking games this week. Uh, Paradise Killer, it's a UK-developed indie game that I found really interesting when I went to Leamington Spa to just go talk to developers. Uh, I got to play, like, 15 minutes of it. The basic idea is it's a murder mystery game where, you know, in the vein of your sort of Ace Attorney thing, you go find a bunch of clues so that you can prove who did what. The difference with this one is it? it's an open world game that kind of follows the vein of stuff like her story in not telling you if you have found definitively the correct answer. Um, the way that it is structured is, here's, here's a murder that happened, here's what we know, go and talk to people all around this island, you'll get, you know, evidence against people, you'll get people's alibis, you'll get their sort of leads as to who they send you towards. And when you think you have enough evidence to get a conviction... You go to the judge and go, this is why I think that this person did it. Here's my evidence. If they point out a contradiction, you can, you know, get back at them. And if if you are deemed to have enough evidence, you can get a conviction. But as is the case in real life, you don't know if you convicted the right person. All you know is, I think the evidence points at this person. And I think there is enough evidence and few enough oh. holes in my logic that I can put them away. Yeah. Which I think is a really interesting concept. Um, obviously, something like this is going to live and die by how well that concept works in the full game. But um, yeah, the bit, of it, the bit of it I played, it was well organised in that it was easy to keep track of what information I had on who. The art style is really interesting. Um, for anyone who's played uh, the more recent Danganronpas where you sort of moved around in first person in a 3D environment, but then had your sort of 2D art come up when you talk to people. It's that kind of thing, but with lots of like clashing neon colours and demons and cyberpunk imagery. Like it's got a real nice visual identity to it. It's ambitious, but I'm into it. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 one that like I want that game to be good, and I hope it turns out well. Now that I have played some of it, I'm 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 invested. Uh, I played some Space Team VR. It's a VR game that expects you to have multiple VR headsets, which is not realistic. But you you have instructions of spaceship controls, and you have some controls in front of you. But it's not the things you have instructions for. So lots of shouting at each other. Oh, so it's Space Team, but with an unrealistic uh, expectation in terms of hardware. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, and it's real cool if you've got the setup to do it. If you happen to have three VR headsets, it's a VR version of Space Team. Um, that apparently there will be a method if you have one VR headset, you could do one VR headset against two phones. Didn't get to try that mode, but uh, uh, I played a demo for Sword and Shield. I didn't get to do any of the stuff that's new to Sword and Shield. It's a very pretty looking Pokemon game. I, play, I fought through a gym. It, it was a Pokemon game. I had turn-based battles. The, the fire bunny's quite cute as it hops around. Uh, connected to that, I went to the Pokemon Center in London, which people have been waiting like nine hour queues to get into there. It's a shop with overpriced stuffed animal Pokemon in it. The stuff in there's nice, but not nine hours queuing nice, I wouldn't say. That's that's really absurd. Yeah. Yeah. H how does that even happen? I don't know if I wouldn't queue up for nine hours for anything anything yeah it, it it's a lot like i went in there there was some nice stuff in there but not nine hours waiting nice 
And then I have two other things I want to very quickly get to that are played. I apologise that I've just been waffling on this week. Disco Elysium. Have either of you paid any attention to this or played this at all? I've read about it a fair bit and I'm interested. I talked to Casey Explosion a lot and she's all up in yeah. indie games and, and she loves it. Yeah, I, I've i been playing it a bit this week and I'm really into it. Um, You know how Divinity Original Sin 2 was... Very, it, it was very much like traditional second or third edition Dungeons and Dragons. It's your typical medieval elves and warlocks and whatnot, and everything is very combat focused. And it, it feels like you're sort of the traditional view of D and D that you have when when you say the words D and D. That's the sort of thing you you picture. Um, right. Disco Elysium is also a game that feels a lot like. D&D, but it feels a lot more like modern 5th edition D&D, uh, very roleplay and character focused. The kind of D&D you would play with a DM who's like, yeah, I feel like we've seen all the elves and warlocks and shit. Let's, let's do something in a different setting with different characters. It also feels like D&D where you've only got one party member. And you don't have multiple people in your party to flesh out the flaws with your character. Right. And you have to just sort of commit to your character being flawed the way they are. So basically, it plays like a 3D equivalent of a point-and-click adventure game. You are a very hungover cop who is so hungover he does not remember who he is and or what he's doing. And there is a dead body hanging up outside. Is that the premise? They've done the whole amnesiac hero thing, but it's just that you you got very drunk. He's just fucking hungover. That's pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. And in terms of like building out your stats, it's all aspects of this sort of hungover old man detective's brain. So you're basically doing a lot of... um. What, what aspect of his psyche do you want to pop more points in? Do you want to pop more points into lizard brain which is react very like flight or fight hoard everything it's all mine i need to survive an animalistic response do you put your points into um hyper fragile toxic masculinity side where you know he will be afraid to go near anything feminine but he'll be real good at throwing shit <laughs> you, you pick aspects of who he is to build up with your points, and there is not enough points to build up everything. You very much have to commit to going down paths, which will then open up conversation avenues and that sort of thing. But it's very, it very much downplays combat. If you have combat, it's basically pick an option on your conversation wheel that is throw a punch, and there will be consequences for it, but... You know, you're not you're not really putting stats into how good of a fighter you are. You're putting stats into how much of a fighter you are. Yeah, like, yeah. am I the kind of person who will lie his face off blatantly and confidently to get through here without any any kind of you just bare face lie to people and there will be consequences for that. And that's every RPG character I play. <laughs> yeah. Um. Or are you putting your points into being suave and being able to sort of charm your way through situations? It. It really does a good job of giving you... You know how those combats, uh, those conversation systems in something like Mass Effect will usually boil down to your standard options, the nice option, and the nasty option? Right. This is a lot broader. 
it feels like that kind of thing applied to a much broader set of temperaments of how you can go through things. Lovely, wonderful example of the ways that this this game systems plays out. Um, sometimes it won't be clear exactly what what picking an option will do, which is usually a bad thing, but it's kind of hilarious. It's it's usually used for comedic effect here. Um, I saw some people, you know, doing bowl like garden bowls or something, rolling some old men rolling balls down a down a green bit of grass. And if you listen to angry man bit of the brain and go, oh, I'll show them how good I am at sport and then they'll respect me and help me out. You expect to, you know, just like roll the roll the ball down the thing good. You pick the ball up and fucking throw it a mile away and just like, look how fucking strong I am at throwing shit. <laughs> it's got a real good sense of humour. It's weirdly, it's very surreal. It has a lot of flavours of like Twin Peaksy. I'm not quite sure how much of this I'm supposed to take as literally happening and how much is sort of hung over misremembering of things it's it's a really interesting little game hmm. i i'm not far enough into it to know how well it sticks the landing or i don't know whether i because of the fact that you're so you pick characteristics and you sort of have to go down that path i don't know if i'm gonna hit points where my choices are gonna make things like really tricky to continue progressing but that's a real interesting little game I, I've not played anything quite like it, and it's got me really hooked. Yeah, the buzz around it has made me really interested in it, and I, I will likely pick that up at some point and, and give it a go, because I'm very curious about it. Yeah, e everything about it... So far, I have liked all of its slightly weird, confusing design choices. When you talk about a game being, like, weird in that sense, you always walk that line of, is this going to come across like they were trying to be strange for strangeness's sake, or do they have something they're building towards? And right. this feels like there is a direction and a point to it, hmm. which is which is nice. So yeah, that that is a thing I would really recommend checking out I, it's well worth putting some time in i just watched you brought up twin peaks i just watched a four and a half hour like explainer of <laughs> you know one person's perspective on twin peaks i saw that video going around um my my fiance just finished watching that last night <laughs> it's a thing like it is i it, it, if it were about a different director i would have doubts about, I'd have more doubts about its validity, uh, but it is very, very interesting. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can recommend people listen to or watch it because it is a, it's, it's a, it's a perspective for sure. I, I feel like if you're the kind of person who that is designed for, you, you will probably have seen it going around and go, that is for me or it's not for me. I don't think you really need anyone else's recommendation to know if you want to dig four and a half hours into that. It's well executed. Though. Yeah. It's very well made. The, uh, and the analysis is, I, I'm in for it. I'm, Really, it may not be the explanation, but it is a very, very good one that I like to think about um, and have thought about several times over the course of just this conversation because of things you've mentioned. Um, really interesting. Uh, anyway, sorry. We should. No, uh, no. Is there other game news stuff we should be talking about? Uh, uh, like this Fallout 76 stuff. I. So, what is that? It's funny, is what it is. You can pay 100 quid a, a year to. I don't even know what it gets you to be to be even more important in the broken game that still doesn't have its content. So it's a hundred dollar yearly subscription to get features that the community have requested since the game came out, 
and they've decided to now charge you basically a glorified MMO subscription for like the ability to play the game solo. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be, you know, you can have the, the private world servers where only you and a, a small group of friends can play it. Um, f- players really wanted that and have been asking for it. And Bethesda finally delivered and charged for it. Yeah, but that's not, like, that weird to me. I mean, I can certainly remember there have been many a game in the past that have had sort of persistent server environments where people would pay to get a custom server. And it's certainly not ubiquitous, but... Those games were typically good and had content, though. Well, that is that is certainly a challenge. It's within, within the context of Fallout 76, it's not a great look. Yeah, um, all right. You get a piddling amount of microcurrency, um, an unlimited stash, so you can unlimited, you know, uh, unlimited scrap thing. I'm going off memory. I read the the page out yesterday. It's basically just a load of no real content, just little tiny upgrades and things that aren't working. Yeah, you get an outfit, you get a, an icon yeah. in emotes pack, you get a survival tent that lets you like yeah. set up a travel point and a scrap box. They don't work. They don't work. The scrap box apparently is eating people's scrap. Oh, delightful. I heard about that today. Uh, and just before we started recording, I heard that the, the private servers aren't private yet. So people are opening their little private worlds and it's not private. Nah. Um, which is just fucking typical for Bethesda at this point. They can't do anything fucking right. I think if, yeah, my issues with this, if they're going to be issues, is that your game has to be functional before you can do something like this. Yeah. Like, I don't have a whole lot of issue with anything they have on offer here as part of the subscription. I'm not thrilled about... I mean, it's not really a game where game balance matters that much, I don't think, or I don't get the, uh, that impression, because I haven't played it. I just can't. I can't. What they're doing to Fallout yeah. hurts me Yeah. Uh, on an emotional level. It's just, it's a shit game. And they had an update planned for this year that would finally put content in it. Things that were missing that would have made it a Fallout game. You know, NPCs and all that. Is, is that the update that was going to add things like NPCs that you could have conversations with? NPCs, towns, yeah. Uh, that got delayed to next year. Oh, and so then they do this first. And oh. so it's a bit of a, sh- you know, another shitty look that, oh, they managed to have this ready, though. And when I say have this ready, it wasn't that ready because it's fucking broken. Like, on its face, this really doesn't bother me that much. I, I don't know that I think it's great that you can use these, like, special storage and, and so forth items on public servers. But I don't know that it actually matters that much either. It's because it's Fallout. Like, it, it, because it's Fallout 76, it's, it's bad within the context of what that game is. Yeah. And I'm also concerned about a future of, you know, mainstream video games that will now do this, that will have MMO subscriptions without the legwork required to make an actual MMO. It's just keep paying to have things in this game. Yeah. Um, On top of all the other methods of monetization, we don't need another one, but we're going to get another one. I legitimately like the idea of private instance services for online games, I I don't really have a problem with companies charging a premium to provide that service. Here's, here's the thing. I don't have a problem with that if upfront that is a thing that people know. Yeah. But the problem is, is that more and more often we're getting games that release as like $60 boxed experiences where the, the sales pitches generally pay you $60 and then, you know, there are microtransactions in it, whatever. 
but we're going to keep adding content to it. It'll be an ongoing thing, but this is how much you pay to, to get into this ongoing experience. And then without really adding the ongoing stuff that they promised, then going, give us some more to play by yourself. We promise that content we promised is still coming. Like, yep. that's not a good look. Yep. This In this specific instance, yeah. I think it's handled poorly, but I'm not necessarily opposed to other companies trying to adopt this approach because I'm not a person who ever wants to play with someone randomly on the internet. Ever. Yeah. It is absolutely not for me. And I've got an issue with a game that might contrive a situation where it might not necessarily need to be online with lots of players just so they can sell you sure. a private version of it. Like, I, I know people say slippery slope arguments are fallacious, but if there's one thing I think I've demonstrated in years of coverage, it's that there is no slope slippery enough for the game industry. Slippery slope arguments always apply to mainstream publishers because they'll always slide down one. Oh. So I've got concerns. It's And the concerns are understandable. I, it, it's something to watch. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to get freaked out about it yet. I think Bethesda's just idiots. I'm not mad about it in being in Fallout 76. It, it doesn't necessarily even affect me, but I did laugh my fucking head off. Yeah, the incompetence on display is, is really... Yeah, I still can't believe they had the nerve to do it. As controversial as Fallout 76 has been, as bereft of content as it is, and after having just delayed the big bit of content they showed off about finally coming to the game, the sheer goal of this is incredible and hilarious. Yeah, I was trying to think of like any other game that would have had this much backlash for this, and I'm like, Anthem's the only other thing that would have probably been worse to see them try and charge money for at this point. That would have been amazing. Uh, that would have been amazing. I would have been more pissed off at that just because with Bethesda, there's this almost pathetic quality they have, or as I call it, the pathetic quality they have, where it's they're just so pitifully awful now that everything they do is, is an incompetent comedy. With EA at the helm, it would have been just more insidious. But with Bethesda, it's... I, I ju I, they're so inept. <sighs> everything they do is fucking hilarious, in a kind of disgusting way, but mostly funny. They're awful. They didn't used to be this bad, or at least... They were always sort of inept, but there was a baseline quality to their world building that people overlooked it. But in their quest for money they've stripped away we've seen this with fallout 76 they took away everything that justifies a bethesda game being bad and left in just the bad <laughs> exposing their awfulness to everyone and contextualizing just how incompetent they are and every i mean how has fallout 76 not stopped being a dumpster fire that still produces more laughs it's not even been out for a year, but it's long past the point where we should, uh, you know, the main conversation should have stopped caring and they still find ways to just make my jaw drop. I really have to wonder what the game population is that they're still going with it in spite of it being, you know, so not working. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is it, it does it does population matter or do they just need enough people spending a lot of money on it? Yeah. yeah. You never, you can't tell these days because they're not... The game industry is never forthcoming about its sales and players. Yeah. Um, nor the amount of people spending money and how much they're spending. Um, but it only takes a couple whales. Also, how much of putting content into it is trying to go... No, 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 we promise people are still playing it. People are still playing it. Next time we try this, 
don't not buy it because you think it'll be dead. No, people, th- th- there's there's still enough life to put content in it. Yeah, I mean, people are still playing it, and there there are people making their own fun in it. It's not like Anthem where the player base made headlines from from dwindling and interest in it on Twitch just plummeted and people just stopped caring. Mm. I don't think it's as bad as Anthem, but we don't know how many people are spending money on it. Clearly Bethesda thinks enough people will fall for this. But looking over at what you get for this, I, I it's for marks. It's for it's for people who have more money than sense or people who are, you know... Microtransactions, I understand people being compelled and psychologically manipulated into spending yeah. money on it. I think... Just just don't don't spend a hundred bucks on this game. It's throwing good money after bad. I, I know it's an easy comparison, but I've seen a lot of people recently going, look at how, how many open world games of that nature that are complete games already and are, like, current, recently released... You could get on Xbox Games Pass for less than the price of this. Yeah. Like, uh, what was it? The Outer The Outer Worlds just just day one was put up on, on Game Pass. For like seven quid for a month, you could have that. I mean that's it. Yeah, there are good there is there's a handful of good models. Good perpetual subscription models in the game industry. But I do worry that we are at you know, next generation, that'll be this generation's microtransactions. It's gonna be sub models all over the place. On top of microtransactions and loot boxes and season passes and DLC because they don't replace a monetization model in this industry with a new one. They just add more just more methods of taking money from you. Yeah. And I'm I'm not It's the Katamari approach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not looking forward to seeing where it goes next gen. And this will be alongside things like Stadia where there's no even guarantee of of a perpetual ownership of what you're spending money on. I'm not liking where things are going, but then I never do. The slope isn't slippery, it's snow-covered. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's just a bar of soap on a hill. <laughs> uh, we, we keep finding out more about Death Stranding, mainly that Kojima keeps putting in more famous people that are going to be weirdly immersion-breaking NPCs. <sighs> he spends too much money. Conan O'Brien's going to be a character. Like, I don't like Konami, and I think the way they treated him was shit. But if Konami had one thing to argue to justify themselves, Kojima spends too much money. He really is just... (sighs) He's sticking his friends in a game to go, hey, talk about my thing on your talk show. I'll stick you in my game. I hate agreeing with Konami, but the man does need budget control. He doesn't need to be, like, you know, hamstrung so he can't create his works. He just needs one person who maybe budget twice a week can just say no to Kojima. Like, tw- t- give him a budget. Give him some little tickets he can give out twice a week to go n- no to that. <laughs> Most auteurs, self-styled or otherwise, need at least one person with the power to say no at times. Yeah. And few of them have it. I'm so glad you so glad you said the A word, because I was going to just bring it up too. And it's the other thing, too. There's an ego thing, I think, with yeah. Kojima that I find, I don't know, meh. The thing with Kojima is he was made to feel like such a rock star after he left Konami that that certainly hasn't helped the ego thing, I don't think. Yeah. He's basically been treated as, like, the messiah of games, like, walking out on stage with the floor lighting up underneath him and 
crowds cheering just because he is physically in the room. And, you know, if Death Stranding is everything everyone hopes it would be, which is not possible, but I mean, you know, good enough to keep that aloft. I mean, God knows what the next game's going to be like. Yeah. (laughs) If if this game is amazing. Like, there's no good ending here. Either, you know, this is, you know, the pride goeth before the fall, or... It just gets worse. Oh, yeah, no. If this game is amazing and is well-received by critics and in sales, um, I imagine every single person Kojima has ever met will get a cameo in the next game. (laughs) Did you pass him in the supermarket once? You're in Death Stranding (laughs) 2. I actually bumped into him at E3 in 2010. Good news. You're in in Death Stranding 2, comrade. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh... I played one other game if we've got a couple of minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I started playing that Ring Fit Adventure. Oh, that, God. That, that Switch uh, exercise RPG. It's pretty fun. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm kind of out of shape and I've been looking for an excuse to just to just make myself fucking move a bit. And you know what the, the, the main things that stop me doing exercise more often are? The gym is like half an hour away. That is a barrier where I have to make time to get there to get back, etc. The weather stops me doing running in the winter. I'm like, I need an exercise thing that I can do at home that has a thing that I actually want to do rather than, uh, I don't want to exercise. And this has kind of done that. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's a fucking leg strap and a weird resistance ring that you pop your, your Switch controllers in. And then it's kind of an RPG. You you have like boss fights to do. Your various exercises you do are attacks in a turn-based battle system. It's not much, but seeing an enemy health bar is a good excuse when I don't want to do three more squats. But I'm like, if I can do those three more squats, I will take down that health bar. It is pushing me to, to do more reps of workouts than I want to do, which is, you know, I feel like it's probably achieving what it's trying to do that's a, yeah that sounds like a success yeah this, that's all it really needed to be for me was an exercise routine that i can do at home in about half an hour that has enough video game mechanics that i'm like fuck you giant bodybuilding dragon i will do a couple more ab curls just to make sure that i can kick your ass you get a lot of unlockable um exercise stuff early on so you can basically tailor it to what areas of yourself you're trying to exercise they have cooldowns so that you can't just do the same one exercise over and over and over again uh enemies have type advantages so you're encouraged to work multiple muscle groups not just the same one over and over again which seems smart if you're looking for an excuse to get into exercise and you think beating up a big smug bodybuilding dragon would help it's doing the trick but the main thing i wanted to say about it which is less useful to me and more like just a psa for other people this game has got more accessibility options for an exercise based uh program than most most exercise games do there are specific options for if you have problems with certain muscle groups basically if you have problems with your neck your back your arms or your legs There are specific modes you can turn on where certain exercises just won't get listed. You won't get asked to do certain things. Um, Great example, if you're a wheelchair user who would struggle to jog on the spot when required for the game, you you can basically turn off the need to jog on the spot. And just do upper torso, arm, upper torso and arm exercises. 
and you can totally complete the game that way. It it seems to have gone reasonably out of its way to make itself playable for people who might have specific exercises they can't do. And that was surprising to me. Can't guarantee it will, you know, that'll be enough for everyone to be able to, to make use of it. But I, I have seen people going, I was just looking for something to up uh, to exercise my upper body and I was able to get that out of this game. So that that was just a really cool thing to see. Well, hey. I've I've not put enough I've not put enough time into it to know if I'll stick with it, but first few days with it it's been pretty fun. All right then. Yeah. I think that's everything I had on my fucking huge list this week. <laughs> All right, well I'm going to get us wrapped up. I've got to go do some errands still with my day. Um, so Laura, would you mind telling all of the lovely children listening where they can see more of your things? Laura K Buzz everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Laura K Buzz on Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills. If you can afford to chuck a dollar a month my way, that'd be super appreciated. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, everything that I publish, be it audio, video, written stuff, it all ends up on laurakbuzz.com. Uh, that includes freelance stuff. There will be just laurakbuzz.com. Everything is there. I've got some books. Uncomfortable Labels. It's about being gay and trans. It's in bookshops, or you can get the audiobook at laurakbuzzstore.com. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt. That's coming out real soon. There's Pixel Squirt, where I review video game porn. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I do a bunch of skits and silly voices with my fiance. And then there's Dice Funk. It's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, I'm on seasons three, four, five, and six. Uh, Comrade's also on that. We'll get to it in a second. If you like Jim and the thought of Jim doing D&D, maybe listen this week to, to Dice Funk, maybe. Maybe. But Comrade, Comrade, what do you... What, what do you do? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Conrad Zimmerman. I make buttons. They have pithy sayings on them, and you can buy them. Uh, find that at pinfultruth.com, P-I-N... F-U-L-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Uh, I am on Dice Funk, as Laura said. I'm in seasons five and six. And yes, I heard tell that there's a very special uh, one-shot episode of that that people might want to tune into if the idea of um, a Jim Sterling playing a Dungeons and Dragons is good. I'm also on a podcast with Jim called Boston's Favorite Son, where uh, we are joined by our lovely friend Jonathan and try to make him famous. Uh, I do a podcast about BoJack Horseman called Of Horse, a BoJack Horseman fan cast, which uh, I think there's a new episode of that coming out very shortly. And you can listen to that too. And uh, I promise we'll do another Movie Boys spin-off Doctors episode. That that just appears on this feed, so you won't have to go anywhere for that. Yeah, I want to do that maybe next week. I've, just, I've had zero yeah. time this week. Oh, same same here. It's been ridiculous. But I want to get cracking because I saw on Amazon listed Doom Annihilation. And I'm like, <laughs> I almost watched it of my own volition out of morbid curiosity. Angry Birds 2 is out oh, now no. on digital. Uh, and... And I, I didn't notice this, but the Uva Bowl documentary <gasps> has been out for a while, so... Oh, yeah, we gotta get cracking then. Yeah, we got a lot to do. So, yeah, that's that's me sorted. Um, uh, oh, and in case Jim forgets to, to mention it, he has a Patreon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you've been going in on the live streams and linking it. <laughs> I've actually put a link to it on the Twitch channel at the bottom now, next to all the other little buttons. So at least there's that. Oh, good. Um, I'm trying to remember to promote things more to try and have a business. Um, speak, um, did you do all the bits? Yeah, I did all the all bits. Right. Speaking of which, 
Uh, I mentioned earlier I'm doing more Twitch streaming now. That's Twitch TV Jimquisition. Um, I've been doing it on and off. I don't have a set schedule. I'm, I've been doing it not once a day, but certainly at least once every other day. But basically whenever I've got a spare moment and I feel up to it, I've been doing it just to try it out. We made affiliate and all that, so that's interesting. Yeah. Been having a lot of fun doing it. Um and really, any revenue stream is is more job security for yeah. someone in our position, you know. Um, Ooh, on on that note, I'm just going to throw in um, when Pokemon Sword and Shield come out, expect a lot of me Twitch streaming. That I'm going to be streaming all that fucking Pokemon. Uh, cool, cool. What's your What's your Twitch again? Twitch Laura K Buzz on Twitch. Laura K Buzz. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of Pokemon streaming from me. <laughs> so a lot of Pokemon streaming there. I've been playing just random horror games. Dead Space Two mostly. I did a little Dead Island last night. I don't know why, um, but anyway. Uh, there's that, there's the Patreon. Um, that's about all you need to know. You're normally on the Jim Sterling YouTube channel. That's patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Is it? It is. Oh, wonderful. That sounds like a great <laughs> website to go on. That sounds like a great page on the internet. Might want to kick some money over there. Sounds good. Um, right, that's that then. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week, whether you like it or not. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.